Hi, welcome to the Whole Podcast. This is Becky Alcantar, the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. And today we're listening to the third in a series of special episodes that we have for you on the Whole Podcast. There are a series of talks from our very first Journey to Wholeness sponsored Girls Retreat. And in today's episode, you're hearing from me one more time. In it, we're talking about miracles. Yes, miracles. Miracles will happen. And I know that's a bold claim that you might be maybe cocking your head at. But if we truly believe God is the same today as he was at creation and throughout the stories of the Old and New Testament, then we have to ask ourselves, why wouldn't God do now what he did then? The miracles of scripture aren't just what Jesus did in the past tense. They're samples of what he is still doing and wants to do in your life as well. Hey, miracles are happening all around us all the time. Are you looking for them? That's the subject of today's episode from our girls retreat. Enjoy this podcast. Every story of healing and redemption and restoration that we have talked about in the Bible are miracles. Every time that he heals you, heals something in you, heals something around you is a miracle. The question is, are you seeing it? Because if you follow the miracle maker, the healer, the redeemer, the reviver, the resurrected one, it means that miracles will happen, that they're still happening today. But if our perspective and our posture and our pronouns and our presence are misaligned, they could be happening right here. But our posture is this way and we're missing it. And I can tell you they're happening all the time. I started praying for miracles. And then I went, God, you're not showing me any miracles. You said if I prayed about these things that you would give them to me. And I've been very, very specific. And then he said, but isn't this a miracle? And isn't this a miracle? Isn't the fact that that sun rose today a miracle? Isn't the fact that it said again a miracle? Isn't the fact that you have life in you today a miracle? And I'm like, yeah, but that's the, those are the given things, right? We don't call those things miracles anymore. But then I started getting stories about people who they told couldn't conceive who are pregnant right now, today, last night. I got a story about someone who they told them that they would always have this thing and when she went to the doctor, they couldn't find it. That's a miracle. But our brain wants to explain those things away, right? Oh, well, we must have made a mistake. It didn't actually happen that way. Uh, The doctor made a mistake. They read the test results wrong. Oh, you mean I didn't lose my baby? Oh, it's not cancer after all. Oh, I don't have diabetes. It just went away. Must have been a mistake. There's a second insurance policy. I mean, does that happen? I had all these bills and I thought we had to give up our house, but the bills are all covered. Oh, must have been a clerical error. Are we not calling the things that are miracles, the healing that he's doing in our lives all around us every day, miracles? Because when we fail to call them what they are, we don't talk about the power that is in them. And when we don't talk about the power that is in them, we're not getting in proximity to his presence so that ourselves and our lives can react and leap to the things that are happening around us. I'm looking for miracles. I want some miracles. I want healing. Healing not just for me, but for you as well. Miracles, an amazing achievement that brings very welcome consequences, an outstanding example of something. (laughs) When we don't use that word that's become very like overwhelming and seems so big to us, we go, huh, an amazing achievement 
that brings very welcome consequences, an outstanding example of something. The story of Job is a miracle. He wasn't only restored, he was blessed with a double portion. That's an amazing achievement, an outstanding example, very welcome consequences. The healing of the blind man at Siloam and Bethsaida, the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood, these are all amazing achievements. Welcome consequences, outstanding examples. So how do we start to see miracles? How do we start to see the things that God is doing as miracles and start calling them out when we see them? Instead of going, oh, it just worked out. Oh, I don't know what happened. It just like, eh, like it just did something. I don't know. Why don't we understand and start to name it? Because I feel like we know certain things today in science. We know certain things about how we can heal, but we're not calling them what they are. And when we don't call them what they are, we're denying the power they're in. And the Bible talks about that. And we're cutting ourselves short. I mean, I don't know. The universe told me that. No, it's not the universe. That's God. <laughs> Name him. Name it. Name the thing that's in you that has been chasing you, that has been telling you to fear. Name it. Name it and call it out so that it doesn't have any hold over you anymore. But name the things that God is doing so that that has a hold over you. Take it and take it as yours. Take courage. Be certain, right? Those are the things that are available to you. Are you using them? Are you engaging in them? The disciples, he said to follow him. Jesus, said to, he, Jesus told the disciples to follow him. And in doing so, they went on a journey in which they witnessed miracle upon miracle. They didn't go up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, show us a miracle today. Just by following him, they saw miracles because miracles are just what he does. And when you understand that, if you're not seeing them, then you're probably not following close enough to Jesus because they're just what he does. If you are in the proximity of Jesus, you will see a miracle. Are you seeing them? Are you calling them that? Do you want a miracle? Follow Jesus. The Hebrew word for follow here means to be so close and mindful that you're literally in the dust of the master's feet. Perspective. Posture. Pronoun. Presence. We know from the story of Job that God does at least double, more, better than we can hope for or imagine. And we know from the stories of healing talked about yesterday, his healing is a multi-layered mind, body, and spirit. That his healing aims not only for what we know needs healing, but what we didn't know needed healing. Miracles, an amazing achievement that brings very welcome circumstances, an outstanding example of something. At this point is when we see Job in chapter 38, get to this point. God shows up in this like National Geographic tour of the wonders of creation and Job is saying, God, answer me. And instead of answering Job's questions, he took away Job's questions. Look at me, Job. He took away his doubts and his struggle and his suffering. In the middle of here and healing, he shows Job that he not only can create, he can recreate. That if creation was his great work, then recreation is just an encore. It's not that hard. I did this already. I can do that. I can heal you. I can take that away. I can switch around this disease. How about you engage in it with me? How about you point yourself to me? How about you get close to me and I'll show you, follow me, and you're going to see great things. It's here that he essentially tells Job, it is I. When our kids are scared or overwhelmed, what do we say? It's me. I'm here. And we don't have to explain to them why those words should make them feel better. 
because they know and have confidence in us that we have been there before and will be there again and we'll never leave them or forsake them because we love them. And that's what God was saying to Job. It's what we see Jesus saying over and over to his disciples and to anyone who would come and listen to him. It is I. Do you know the great I am? Do you know he is savior, redeemer, healer? Does your heart know the truth? Do you know that he is Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shalom? What does that mean? He's our sovereign God, the God who sees us. He is our provider. He is our healer. He brings us peace. He is present. He is our very breath. If you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling like life is leaving you or you're feeling like life isn't worth living because it's been so hard, he is your breath. And just like he created in Eden, he wants to come and breathe life into you again. Will you let him? Do you believe him? Do you trust him? It is I. In the middle is where we get to not only hear and see God, we get to know and experience him in a way that we never have before. If you're in the middle, he wants to show you who he is. He wants to show you in a way that you are now stable and unshaken. And all you can do is tell all your friends about it because God showed himself to you and your life. If you're in the middle. This is what God gives us access to. This is, what, this is why Job said at the end of the book of Job, I had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. This is a story that we learned from Job, not about suffering and how we're all going to go through it, but how to navigate the times so that we don't have sorrow and suffering in the difficult times. Because there's going to be pain and there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be challenges. But how are you navigating that middle? Are you going and looking in the wrong direction or do you want to set yourself in the right direction so that you can see the miracles he's about to do? Because if I'm in the middle, he's about to do something. The prerequisite to a miracle is a problem. That is exactly where God does his most amazing achievements that bring very welcome consequences and outstanding example. The disciples thought that they knew Jesus, the teacher, the healer, the rabbi, but it wasn't until the middle moment that they get to see the water walking, miracle making, grave rubbing Jesus. <laughs> and that brings us to our last story today. And that's the story of Lazarus. The greatest story of healing that we see, the grand finale. And it's curious that only one of the Gospels talks about it. I mean, this is a big one, right? Like someone rose from the dead. Did they miss it? All the disciples were there. They had equal opportunity. Where was their posture and their perspective? What pronouns were they using? Were they in his presence? Why did the other gospels not speak of it? I don't want to miss it. I want to be the one that tells the story. But can he trust you to tell the story? Are you giving him glory? Are you talking about the things that he's doing in your life? Because when you do, he can trust you with more. He can give you another one and another one because he knows that you're going to give him the glory. That you're going to let other people know that there's another way that I don't have to go through things like this. That he did this for me and he can do it for you. Can he trust you? What are you talking about? Now you can read the entire story on your own. But the story of Lazarus is this. Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus, is dying. And so Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus because they know 
he can heal him. But instead of rushing to his side, Jesus says in John 11, the sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God. Did he want this to happen? No. Did he make this happen? No. But was he going to do something for it? So that others would know that I am here and this is what I do and this is what you can have confidence in? Yes. And then he doesn't even head Lazarus away for two more days. I mean, his friend is dying. And they're like, he's dying, Jesus. Come, you can heal him. He's like, he's not going to die. And then he just hangs out for two days. But did you hear the echo of what God said to Eve in the garden? This is not going to end in death. I'll see you there. Now, spoiler alert, Lazarus is healed, but in a way we have never, ever seen before. He's risen from the dead. That doesn't happen, right? I mean, we don't see people being risen from the dead. There's no one who's gotten, like, a death sentence, told that they only had a few more weeks to live, that who's living today, someone who actually was put into the morgue and had a toe tag that they had to actually pay out a settlement because they put them there too soon because there was a misdiagnosis. When Jesus arrives and they tell him that Lazarus is dead, in verse 35, it says that Jesus wept. Now, let me tell you, you need your right brain and your left brain working together for your good. And if you have shut up your emotions, you have shut up the pathway to get to your healing. Don't believe the lies from the enemy that tell you that you're too emotional. Shut that down. No, Jesus gave you your emotions so that you could find the path to healing. And when both your right brain and your left brain are working together, that is when we see miracles. That is when we see healing. But we've shut things down in ourselves. I'm just going to just shut that down because I'm tired of feeling it. I'm tired of not knowing the answers. I can't think anymore. I'm always worrying. So I'm just going to shut that down and I'm going to put my mind on something else so I don't have to think about it anymore. But your brain is asking you, let's deal with this. Let's address this. Let's call this out because you need to be healed from it. And you're tamping it down, trying to ignore it. Say, no, thank you, Jesus. I haven't gotten any help. I don't need healing right now. That's how he created you. Your body is made to heal. It is asking you to pay attention so that it can be healed. Are you listening? What is your answer? Now, you may ask, why did Jesus weep, though, right? Why would he cry if Jesus, in his mind, in his spirit, in his healing, if he knew that Lazarus was about to be resurrected, why did he weep? And not just weep, girls. It says here that he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. It is the word used for animal sounds that describe the loud, angry snorting of horses. Have you cried like that? And when used for human emotions, it emphasized the mixture of anguish and anger. Jesus, in this moment when his friend had died, was in anguish and anger. He wept a guttural cry. Groans welled up in his body from the depths of his spirit that shook his entire body. That is what we call the ugly cry. And I've asked some of you girls to hug, cry some ugly. Let it out. Let it out because that darkness, that doubt that's holding on you, that's inside of you, that's messing with you needs to come out. And it does that through our emotions. You can't be afraid of the ugly cry. I can cry some ugly. Take a picture of yourself so you're just over how you look when you do it. <laughs> because it's good. Jesus in his humanity, he was in the middle with us. He is in the middle with us. Verse 33 said that when he saw their crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. 
in the middle of the tension of here and healing. Jesus came physically present so that we would know he's here, but he's still with us in his Holy Spirit. God, Father, Son, right? He is one, and he's still with us. And so he was showing us the way that miracles are in the middle of it. When our grief is unbearable, when we feel like it's taking over, when it seems like there's nothing left inside of us, too often we try to bypass that middle. Why would you go around that middle? When you go through the middle, like Jesus did, you get to resurrection. When you go through the middle and let the things come out that need to come out, he can inhabit there. What do you want to inhabit inside of you? It may seem to you to be brave, to keep it inside, and just to deal with it on your own, but that's not what he has for you. He doesn't want you suffering and struggling and holding it in. He's calling it out because he wants to be there. He wants you to know it is I. I'm with you. I've never left you, and you have everything in you to get through this because I am with you, and I am here. And when you don't have strength, and when you don't have hope, and when you can't see him on the horizon, he's saying, don't worry. You don't need to see what's going on there because I'm right here in the middle with you. Too often we try to bypass it, but girls, we need to enter into it because the most significant worth entering into prize, gift, reward of the middle moments is that in the middle is where we discover what's in the middle of us. Don't be afraid. We're just taking an inventory. You can't help it that you experience abuse as a child. You can't help it that your marriage fell apart and it caused you to doubt. You can't help it that your child died and you're asking God why he didn't show up in that middle just like Mary and Martha did. But he wants to heal you from that. He wants to take that out of you so that it doesn't affect how you go through it next. Because there's going to be a next. This world, there's troubles and trials and tribulation. But are you going to walk through it in sorrow and suffering? Or are you going to walk through it in hope and confidence? This is hard, but God's with me. I felt a strength that I didn't know I had. I felt peace I didn't even know I had. I was laughing. They thought it was crazy. But Jesus was with me. Jesus was with me and gave me comfort and made me laugh because I knew he was about to do something good because he does miracles in the middle. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, go to your inner room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And in the Jewish culture of the time, you have to know there was no inner room. They had one-room houses. So when he was telling them, go to the inner room, he wasn't talking about your closet. It's okay if you have a closet. It's okay if you have things on your closet. I have them too. But he wasn't talking about that. That's a good start because we need to get into a place where we can focus on the things that we need to focus on. The people of the time would have known that Jesus was talking about the inner self, what we now know as our subconscious self, the place where we have scripts and patterns and things that we believe that don't line up with God's truth. And we need to tear those things out, girls. We need to hunt them down. We need to become PIs. We need to get flashlights and recruit some sisters to come with us to find those things because they don't belong to us. And they don't belong in you. That's his space. That belongs to God. You need to do some evictions. You need to kick the door down. Kick that stuff out. Because it's not yours. This is where the middle moments take us. To the middle 
of ourselves that have been inhabited by the wounds of our past and present. He wants to shine the light of healing and peace and bring it back to life. And it requires us going in to the hurt and the disappointment and to call it out so that we can learn how to move through our middles. Jesus said to the people there in the story of Lazarus, remove the stone. What have you put a stone in front of? What have you just said? Well, I'm just going to give up on that. I'm just going to call it dead. Call it. Put the stone. We're not even going to think about it or address it. I think that's, you know, I think that's what God wants me to do. I think he wants me to just move forward and say that it's okay, that I can look to something else. I can bear this grief. I can bear this loss. That is not what he's asking you to do. Jesus said, remove the stone. What stone do you need to remove? And then Martha tried to stop him. She said, Lord, there's a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Martha, didn't I tell you? If you believe, then you would see the glory of God. What is it that you're afraid to come up when a facilitator asks you the question, what is that? What hurts? What's holding you back? What are you saying? It stinks too much. You can't take it if you see it. I'm too afraid to let it come up. I think it's decayed and deteriorated. I don't think it can come back to life. It's been too long. It's been four days. It's been 12 years. It's been 28 years. Nothing is impossible for God. Healing is when the dead things in us are brought back to life. That's the story of Lazarus. All components working together for our good, redeemed, restored, revived, and resurrected on earth as it is in heaven. As we heal, we get closer to the kingdom. And as we get closer to the kingdom, we heal. We don't have to be afraid to roll back the stone. In verse 43, it says that Jesus called Lazarus out in a loud voice. In a loud voice, ladies. Come out. I have been struggling with my voice all weekend long because I think that the enemy didn't want me to say those words to you. Come out. What is it that hurts? What is it that's lying to you? What is it that you think that you can't do? What is it the enemy has said that you can't accomplish that? Come out. That doesn't belong in you. And until you feel strong enough to do those things on your own, know that his voice still is talking to us today. And that there are people around you, if you don't have the voice to do it, and if I don't have the voice to do it, even if he took away my voice this weekend, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. how many of us are here, 83, that I can call on? Say the words. Say the words come out. What needs to come out of you? What is it that God is calling out of you that needs to get removed so that he can do the thing that he wants to fill that space with and propel you forward? Movement, revival, healed. Yesterday we talked about neuroplasticity. This says whatever we call our neurons to respond to, they will. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. <laughs> Physicists and astronomers have been studying the galaxies for centuries. We're going to talk about physics. It's okay. If you weren't good at science, we'll get there. And they discovered that the universe is still expanding from a big bang. I know you teachers. Stay with me. 
Thousands of years after creation, new galaxies are still forming today from one event. That's science. Thousands of years after creation, new galaxies are still forming today from that one event. And we know from scripture that God created by speaking four words, let there be light. And at the sound of his voice, a sonic boom, a big bang, Hello, it was God. A chain reaction of creation began that is still going on today. Now we can only hear a fraction of the frequencies of sound waves. Anything below the range is infrasonic. Anything above the range is ultrasonic. All right, here we go. Infrasound can cause everything from headaches to earthquakes, things we can't see but feel. But ultrasound can break glass, break up kidney stones, and heal damaged tissues, things we can see. Neuroscience tells us that certain parts of our brain only respond to sound stimulation. Come out. Let there be light. The certain parts of your brain don't even respond, as Pastor Sonny said, until we say them with the words, why? Why is that important? Does it make sense now why God spoke, let there be light? Does it make sense now why Jesus said, Lazarus, come out? Does it make sense now why it's important for us to speak life, to speak words given to us by the Spirit? Not words from our mind, or our spirit, or our perspective, or our posture, or our presence, but his mind, his spirit, his healing, using his words. Friends, if galaxies are still forming today in response to God's words, let there be light. Know that his work is still active. His word is still active and healing and working and creating. That when we use his words to call these things out in us, we are just giving a catalyst to the work that is still happening. He is still creating in you. When he says that each day his mercies are new, he means that you are being created new again. I am healing you as I speak. As you speak the words that I spoke, as you call them out, your brain wakes up, your neurons wake up and start healing in response to your neurons and cells are still growing, expanding, being created, responding, reviving, restoring. Do you want to be healed? What's in the middle of you today that is leaping and reviving and being resurrected at his words, but you are not responding to? Your brain and your body is all above, infrasonic and ultrasonic. His word is still permeating through us. We can only hear a fraction of what's happening there. Well, what do you mean if I say those words that something's going to happen? When I say those words, I hear them, but they take action infrasonically and ultrasonically in my body, in my spirit, in my mind. That's the work that I want God's word to do in me. In the middle is where we get to say, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears have heard your word, and my body and mind and spirit is leaping in response to the work that you never stopped doing. When he spoke, let there be light, that word is still working, creating new, new miracles, new galaxies, new neurons, new reality. In the middle is where we move from hearing about healing to knowing he can heal because we have experienced his healing.
Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and rate it and help us get this type of content out to someone who needs it. You can visit our website at j2wholeness.org. That's the letter J, the number two, wholeness.org at any time for current Journey to Wholeness group offerings, intensives, events, as well as other resources. Thank you.